0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of Seeking Witchcraft. Today we're going to be talking about the different traditions within the path. So if this is your first time tuning in, hey, <laughs> my name is Ashley, um, and welcome to my podcast. The goal of these episodes are to be about 30 minutes or less, and they're to give just a brief educational overview of things within witch- Wicca and witchcraft. That being said, there is a difference between Wicca and Witchcraft, which I do reference in my very first episode, but just for convenience throughout the podcast as I speak, you may hear me use them interchangeably. So I'm going to play a short ad, and in the meantime, I'd recommend maybe grabbing a pen and a notebook and maybe your favorite brew or tea, and I'll be back with you in just a moment. All right, and welcome back. So... I just want to give a heads up, so when I was recording this, I was really debating between talking about the different traditions first versus posting my second video of how to find a coven. But ultimately, it came to the consensus that it's probably better to know about the different traditions so you have a better idea of what you may want to look out for if you do decide to pursue a coven. Um, So that is why we're here today. So um, some things that I may recommend for you to look up after this would be about the Wiccan read, um, also looking up what British traditional witchcraft means, and one thing you may hear me reference about this uh, video, or I'm sorry, this podcast, is Skyclad. Um, so I will talk about that momentarily, um, but we're going to go ahead and jump right in. I have a lot of things to cover in less than 30 minutes, so here we go. <laughs> Um, so the different traditions that I'm planning to cover um, include Gardenarian, Alexandrian, Blue Star, Dianic, Sue, Reclaiming, and Electic. Um, so we have a lot to get through today. So Gardenarian is what we're going to start with first. I am currently a seeker in a Gardnerian group. I've been with them for almost a year and a day now. So a lot of my background might be a little biased with knowing more about Gardnerian than these other traditions, um, but that could be good because I can give you a little bit more insight to this tradition than what you may find on a standard Google search. So what is Gardnerian Wicca or Gardnerian Witchcraft? So Gardnerian Wicca was founded by Gerald Gardner back in the 1950s. Um, he posted a, or he created a book called Witchcraft Today that came out around that year. So um, a lot of different craft practices may or can potentially trace back their practice to this type of craft. Um, as it is one of the first known traditions, Gerald Gardner was a big proprietor for trying to go public with witchcraft. Um, so uh, yeah, this would be considered one of the first that did that um, and one of the main ones. So Gardnerians worship a god and a goddess um, who actually have an unknown name to initiate. So what I mean by that is that some people, you know, they practice or they follow Fre- uh, Freya or they practice, um, you know, maybe just with a faceless or nameless god or goddess. But Gardnerians actually do have a name for their god and goddess, but unless you are initiated within the coven, you don't know the name. So for example, even though I've been in a training group for almost a year and a day, I have no idea <laughs> what the names are that uh, gardenerians follow for the god and goddess. So that is only for initiates within the tradition. Um let's see. You um so speaking of which, so to become an initiate, so first you have to seek out a gardenerian coven and train with them for a year and a day. Um gardenarians though, it's important to know that they typically and they're not the only one, I'll get with this later. Um but they typically work skyclad. However, they will only work skyclad in a coven setting meaning you have to be an initiate for that to happen so as a seeker you will not be asked to work skyclad um, that is a initiate only thing so if you're sitting there wondering well what is skyclad um, <laughs> well skyclad is ritual nudity so you are completely naked during um, your ritual and um, you know, it's not something that everybody is down for. To be honest, it took me the longest time to even consider doing something like that because that is like way outside my comfort zone. And even now, I'm still just like, oh, man, <laughs> that's a that's a big step there. Um, But a lot of people kind of after being with these groups come to the realization that wanting to practice with the group of people that they're with should um, overcome their fear of being skyclad. And that's kind of the place that I'm at with my own self. If you would have told me this a year ago, I would have said that I'm crazy and not doing this. (laughs) But don't completely outrule it because a lot of covens may actually practice sky cloud, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. So again, uh, working that way is strictly for coven work and initiates only. As a seeker, you will not be asked to do that. If you are asked to do that, make sure you look up the Gardnerian um, Seeker Facebook group and ask one of the admins if the group that you're in is a legitimate Gardnerian group because to my knowledge, they will not ask a non-initiate to do that. So much of Gardnerian is completely oath-bound, meaning once you're initiated, you're told the great mysteries and secrets within the tradition and you can't tell anybody unless they are also an initiate. But, you know, if you go online, you can look up Gerald Gardner's Book of Shadows and you can see, you know, supposed uh, published rituals from the tradition. However, because it's oath bound, there's no uh, telling how much truth is in what's actually out there on the internet. Um, My experience that I've heard is that maybe 10% of it's true, but about 90% of it's completely fake and false. So take it with a grain of salt of what you're reading out there um gardenerians use a degree system to distinguish between the levels so um you know i am a seeker so i don't have a degree but if i become initiated i would become i would become a first degree and then they go from a first degree to a second degree all the way up to a third degree and the third degree is the highest you can go um they uh worship the god and the goddess and they typically meet for sabbaths and get together to celebrate the full and possible new moon This tradition works with the equality of the high priest and the high priestess who can, who who are supposed to represent the god and goddess in ritual, but Gardnerians typically will trace their lineage back through the high priestess and the high priestess is usually the one who has the final decision, um, in coven situations. Um, so even though it is equal between the god and the goddess, the high priest, or I'm sorry, the, (laughs) geez, the HP and the HPS or the high priest and the high priestess, um, usually the high priestess is the one with the final say. They do believe in reincarnation, and they follow the Wiccan read. All right, so that is Gardnerian witchcraft, Wicca as a whole. So next we're going to go into Alexandrian. So Alexandrian Wicca, or witchcraft, was founded by Alex and Maxine Sanders in about the 1960s. Um, It's said that, I believe, Alex Sanders is actually linked with Gardnerian witchcraft, which... There's a lot of different information about how he got involved with this, um, but a lot of different um traditions link their lineage back to gardenering in some way or another, so I wouldn't be surprised if that is a hundred percent the case. Um But overall this tradition is said to be influenced by Gardenerian practices. Um, so for example, there is an initiation, initiation oath, which must be taken similar to Gardnerians. Um, but the practice is said to be more electic rather, um, or less strict than Gardnerians. So what I mean by that is when you're in a Gardnerian coven, um, there is a lot of, um, not a lot, but there's assignments. You need to do readings, um, books they may ask you to read, you know, you get different papers at different, um, Meetings of things you need to look over, whereas Alexandria may be a little bit more relaxed with that. Um, but they do use a lot of ceremonial magic in their practice. Um, that uh, uh, another thing too. Alexandrians um, do work Skyclad as well, but they are a little bit more relaxed with this, and this is what I kind of mean why they're less strict. Um, a lot of covens now have the option of if they want to work sky or not whereas with gardenerian like you do work Skyclad in a coven setting like that's just how the prep or the tradition is um but again this you know each coven has their own rules um if you are lucky enough to have both a gardenerian and an alexandrian coven in your area i'd say if this is something you may be interested in and i could talk about this next in my next video about how to find a coven um, I would say meet with both groups and kind of get a feel for which one you feel might suit you a little bit better. All right, so next we're going to talk about Blue Star. So Blue Star gets its roots from Alexandrian, who gets its roots from Gardnerian, and you can kind of see a pattern going on here. Everything kind of goes back to Gardnerian, but it was founded by somebody named Frank Duffner in Pennsylvania, so right here in the United States. Um Blue Star is a very intensive religion. Um it's sometimes called the religion with homework as there is a lot required for this. So before I get to that, um they do use an initiatory or I'm sorry, degree system, but there's actually it's actually a little bit different than what most traditions are like. So there's two pre-initiatory degrees called the Dedicant. And then you go to what's called the Neophyte, I believe is how you pronounce it. And then once you go through that, um, there's three initiatory degrees. So you get the first degree, second degree, third degree. Um, they also believe in the Wiccan Read and the Law of Threefold. Um, to be in Blue Star, there is a lot. And I mean a lot. I've required homework, readings, writing assignments, projects. I mean, there are papers that you need to write that are not just like one page. They are long papers and assignments. Um, uh, initiation, um, also commonly involves getting a tattoo. However, I've heard it's not a 100% required, but it is very common to do that. So, um, that's about all I'll say about Blue Star. So if you're looking for something that is very, very, very work, you know, oriented with a lot of homework, I would. And you're cool with a tattoo. Um, Blue Star may be for you. Let's see. Okay. So the fourth one I'm going to talk about is Dianic. Um, so Dianic actually has two different branches. So the first is sometimes called Old Dianic, which allows both men and women to worship the goddess. Um, that being said, I didn't mention this before, but Blue Star Alexandrian and Gardnerian are both mixed-sex groups. Both men and women practice in them. Um, yeah, so Old Dianic allows both men and women to worship the god and the goddess, but there is primary worship that is given to the goddess. However, the second branch and the most common branch of Dianic involves having um, groups that are women-only that only worship the goddess, um, and they're run with a very feminist mindset. Um, dianic covens are also very popular, um, or I'm sorry, they have a very strong population of lesbian members, um, so if you're interested in a dianic coven, just heads up, (laughs) there, um, are a lot of people who tend to be, um, homosexual within the community. Um, now the other thing I want to mention about dianic, um, so my i myself am a feminist and when i heard about dianic i was like oh my gosh like that's awesome however there is a lot of information online and again you have to take this with a grain of salt because every coven is different and i'm not saying every time well, dianic is like this because i don't think this is the case but there are a lot of things out there saying about how some dianic covens are um They will only permit those who are lesbian into the group and that there is a lot of man hating within the groups. Um, Now, again, you know, there could be hate for every single tradition. So I'm not totally sure how true that is about Dianic, but there is more than one website that does state things like that. So, um, you know, use your judgment. If you have a group near you and you're interested in joining with them, you know, meet with the, meet with the part or the, the group see how you guys get along, go from there. Um, but just keep that in mind that that is, um, supposedly a thing. Okay. So the next one we're going to talk about, I believe it is pronounced so, um, it's spelled S E A X. Um, this was founded by Raymond Buckland, which, what do you know, was a Gardnerian initiate. (laughs) It always goes back to Gardnerian. Um, so Gardnerian, I'm sorry, so Sue Wicca um, is said to be kind of like a blending of Gardnerian and Alexandrian, um, but covens can decide if they want to be sky-clad or not. Um, Sue also generally um, has its rituals based on ancient Saxon traditions. Now, that's about as far as I go <laughs> with knowing about this tradition. Um, the only other thing I'll say about it is that you can initiate through the coven or what what makes this a little bit different of tradition is that you can actually self-initiate, which is um, not a common thing within tradition. So that's kind of cool to think about. Um, that being said, my own personal opinion when it comes to initiation, um, I see an initiation as not only joining that tradition, but joining the family with it. So a self-initiation is great if you don't have people in your area and you know, I don't know enough about this tradition. Maybe you can go ahead and start your own circle or coven with this as an initiate and eventually build up members to have that family. But I think what makes initiation so special is that you are able to share it with other people that do become your family. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) Um, so the next one I want to talk about is reclaiming. So, um, I actually went to a reclaiming um, event, a a reclaiming festival. They had an event here um, not too far from where I live in Baltimore um, called Baltimore Witch Fest, which was led by this type of tradition. Um, I didn't know anything about reclaiming, so I very quickly learned it's completely different than anything that I was used to, um, which was cool, but here's a little bit about it. It was founded by somebody named Starhawk who lives in San Francisco Now, the interesting thing about reclaiming is that there is not a hierarchy in the tradition. Um, There is no high priest. There is no high priestess. Um, So it's very interesting. But what they have is they have people become teachers within the group. And the way that these people get their training is not through like a hierarchy or like a degree system, but they actually go train at different witch camps or gathers across the United States to get this information to then bring back to their coven. Um, reclaiming Wiccans are sometimes actually called the even evangelicals of Wiccans because they like to have spontaneous invocations to the goddess and like to do a lot of breath work. Um, they're very vocal and there's a lot of physical work that goes into these reclaimings. Um, the best way I can explain it is that it's a little bit more primal in their working. Um, it, I I'm trying to think how I can uh, how I can say this. It it was like nothing I'd had experience before. I thought it was it was very very cool. Um, they also focus a lot on. Um, Working with the goddess, feminism, and activism within the community. So when, for example, I went to Baltimore Witch Fest, um, they had an opening ritual where they spent um the first like maybe five minutes of the ritual um thanking the ancestors of the land where we had our um our festival at, which were um an Indian tribe. Um, I I can't for the life of me tell you what the name of it was, which but I thought it was really awesome that they were thanking the ancestors and thanking the land. Um, so reclaiming does a lot of things like that, a lot of activism within the community, a lot of thanking the ancestors, um, a lot of breath work, and the the best way I can explain this is just by giving you an example. So if somebody's in the middle of doing a ritual, there might be like singing the goddess's name, and somebody might be like. <sighs> In the background, um, when I went to the Baltimore Wish Fest, that happened a lot, (laughs) so it was definitely something new, um, considering I was coming from a very structured, hierarchical, um, type of practice, but I thought it was cool, um. So if you have a reclaiming thing, or I'm sorry, reclaiming thing, geez. If you have a reclaiming uh, tradition near you, um, I would definitely recommend checking them out. They usually, at least here um, by Baltimore, they do a lot of open rituals, open for the public. So they do seem to be very open and visible to those who are interested in them. All right, so the last thing I'll mention will be electic. So let's say you go and you see that there's a coven and it just says they're electic. Well, what does that mean? That means they can be literally anything. That means that they have kind of created their own tradition and their own rules and they want you to, you know, follow with whatever they're doing. Um, So there could be a lot of pros to that, but there can also be a lot of cons. So One of the pros is that, you know, maybe they have room for growth, maybe they'll, if you have an idea, it's very easy to incorporate what they want you to do. Um, You know, it might be better if you don't want to be as structured, Um, it might be great because you can kind of maybe come in and out and you don't have to worry about following this and that if that's not really your thing. But there can also be a lot of cons. Um, One of which is that if they haven't been around very long, um, I would worry about, the foundation of their information, um, and how long that they've been established just as a coven. The other thing is that there's not really anybody you can fall back on if something goes badly. So just to elaborate on that, Gardnerians and Alexandrians both have different Facebook groups for init- or seekers um, who want to join into the coven. And these Facebook groups are headed by people who are established members within the community. So all of this I'll talk about in the next video too, but just to help with the elected covens, just to give an example. If you were to join an elected coven and they were to tell you that ritual sex is required for initiation, well, you might think that that's, first off, whack. (laughs) You don't want to do that, but you might not know if that's anything different or anything that you shouldn't be doing. Where it's an example, you can go to an Alexandrian Facebook group and you can message the admins of those Facebook group and be like, listen, I heard that this coven in this state says that I have to do X, Y, Z in order to initiate. Can you tell me if that's true? And they can very easily say, oh, that's true. Or they can very easily say, oh my gosh, no, they're not even like an established coven within the community. Like you need to leave. Um, you know, you gotta, you get the point. So, electric covens, though, I don't want to scare you off from them because they can be really great. They can be established, um, but you have to just keep in mind that they do have their own rules, so you may not be able to Google much about them except if maybe they have a website or something like that versus some of these older traditions that I've told you about which have been around longer and do have a much larger community than what some of the electic covens have. So just some things to keep in mind. All right. So the, that's pretty much all I have for today. Um, as I mentioned in the next episode, I'm going to be covering um, how to find a coven. So that's going to be really useful <laughs> um, now that you know um, a little bit more about the different traditions. Um, that being said, there are way more traditions out there that I haven't even covered um, some of which, not really witchcraft per se, but they're, um, druids, um, there's the Order of the Golden Dawn, there's a lot more out there, so, you know, if anything I said today didn't really call to you, you know, I would say do some research, maybe an electric coven is best for you, but if there's anything that really caught your interest, um, I'd say go for it, look them up, um, But, you know, next week I will give you guys some information on how to find these different covens, what to look out for, and that's pretty much it. Um, The only other thing I will mention is that I am looking to potentially set up a giveaway for the listeners. Um, I have a book that I think I would love to give away to somebody who's listening. So I'm hoping either by next podcast or the podcast after that I'll have some details on how you can go ahead and enter um, to win. So that's about it for tonight. I hope you guys all have a wonderful night, and I hope this was helpful for you. And I will see you guys all next week on how to find a coven. Bye.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft.